Welcome back to Software Design Talk. Uh, good afternoon, Martin, Jason, and Florin. Welcome to you uh, on our podcast today. So, uh, Martin, uh, could you please start uh, by introducing yourself? Yeah, sure. Yeah, my name is Martin Perry. I've been working for a, a large uh, multinational company, company based in uh, Dublin. I've been uh, working there for the past 24, 25 years in uh, various roles from um, manual testing to um, automated testing then into uh, lab operations for um, rapid machine uh, deployment for automated tests to then um, service engineering on a, a large scale online service. And then finally moving into um, a software engineer role for, um, um, again, working for an on, on, online service. Um, so, uh, yeah. Jason, could you please uh, start by introducing yourself and uh, tell, telling us a little bit about your background and your experience, your role in the respons- uh, and responsibility? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, hi, this is Jason, and uh, I started my career around uh, in China, Guangzhou, around 2008, and a uh, long time back, actually, for me. Uh, yeah, I started my career as a software developer, and... Uh, and uh, you start from my first job, I worked in the ERP area. And after around two years, I moved to uh, a consulting room and um, to help the customer implement, do some implementations for their ERP system. And uh, after around uh, another one year, I joined the one big ERP uh, company, production company, product company, and uh, to Start from then, I tried to build up some ERP product and uh, a software engineer, and uh, I start from then, we try to run the Scrum in the team. And uh, after another two years, I uh, almost three years, I moved from China to Dublin to Ireland, uh, and uh, I also changed my rule from the software engineering to the customer support, uh, more supporting rule to I changed to Facebook customer directly, and uh, it. You can see I also come back to the consulting rule. It's more about consulting and uh, to collect requirement, help the customer make some design, review the their system, and but here in the ERP area. And um, so I have worked in Dublin almost uh, six years, I trust. Uh, and um, currently I'm also still working in the organization and. Uh, to working some different customer projects. Um, yes, so that's my background. Oh, thank you. Yeah, come. Hello, Florian. Uh, can you tell us uh, about yourself? Hello, uh, yes. Um, I have uh, graduated from Edinburgh University. Uh, and have done my bachelor's there in software engineering and management. And um, Following an internship in my third year, uh, I moved to London to join the company um, in in the financial industry. So uh, afterwards, uh, I have been with the company for about four years uh, when I decided that it might be a good idea to move back to Romania and see how, how the landscape here is and see what could be done. Um, after after some time, uh, it proved that uh, finding a way in Romania might not work as I initially imagined, as it sometimes happens when you return back home. Uh, you find surprises, but uh, not all of them uh, work as, as you imagined. Um, so after a few uh, more or less successful attempts uh, of collaborations with companies here, so it's 
companies from the government and uh, private companies. I I decided that maybe it's better if I just continue my studies. Uh, so uh, here I am, hopefully on a successful journey uh, to completing my studies. And at the same time, um, I also have um, recently managed to join the company I was working before uh, in the financial services um, on, a, on, on, a, on the headquarters they have in Dublin. So doing a little bit of both, uh, but uh, and experience is mainly in the financial industry sector, uh, which if you were to ask me is very comprising and uh, much, much more complex than can be seen from outside. Um, I don't I know if it's okay to talk about it. I want to ask like why Romania, like you say, why, why is it challenging for you to go back to your hometown? Um, so the size of the companies uh, is slightly different here, and the way they work it's also slightly different. Um, so for one, you do not see very many big initiatives from the companies themselves uh, to create software and uh, monetize it. So that makes it a little bit difficult for them on their sources of income, but this is just a personal opinion. and how I've seen the situation. If you ask other people, they might say something else. Uh, so from this monetization issue, um, they, they, cannot, uh, they cannot afford to bring people from people who went to study abroad. And uh, uh, their, the options are kind of limited. So for instance, they either work on supporting software from outside companies, um, or providing other support functions uh, like uh, help desk support, uh, which kind of uh, decreases decrease the chances uh, of me working on a project uh, that was, uh, let's say, um, interesting and comparable to to the other to the other projects I have been involved with and. Um, unfortunately also with the degree of the studies. Um, because here in Romania, I think education is also a little bit, a little bit of an issue um, at university level uh, where it has not adapted quite at the pace um, it has in other countries. Um, so to, to summarize, I think it's been a little bit more difficult here in Romania because the range of activities the companies do uh, is slightly limited and um, the way of working is also um, uh, very much centered on the old ways of doing software, which is uh, more waterfall-like, more command and control-like. Uh, even, even if now they have, um, they have moved slightly to agile or they have given their, process, their processes uh, slightly more agile names. Um, in fact, uh, the way of working has, uh, has remained a little bit the same or has remained, uh, ha hasn't changed that much. 
Um, so I guess to, to summarize now for, for good, it's both um, the range of uh, activities the company do and the way they work, uh, being much more waterfall-like, much more command and control. Thank you, Florian. Uh, uh, so we'll start with our questions now. And, I, and my first question is for Martin. So Martin, you didn't uh, you mentioned uh, that you have had some career path changes, uh, especially from a service engineer to a software engineer. Now, how has that change been for you? And also, could you share with us uh, your experiences uh, from different uh, roles, like service engineer and like being a software engineer? How have they been different for you? Yeah, sure. Um... I suppose like um I originally transitioned into the into the role in uh, as a service engineer within within our team when um, somebody was leaving and they needed somebody to step in so as the the need arose in the in the team for somebody to step in to, to kind of take on a lot of the operations in a lab um I sort of moved into that kind of role and then I kind of um sort of progressed into a service engineer role like for kind of the local lab operations and maintaining uh physical servers in, in our lab for uh, machine deployment and things like that. Um, I then progressed into a service engineer role for um, an online uh, uh, service, online site. Um, so the, there was a lot that I needed to skill up in, 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 in that. Like I was kind of, you know, learning as I was going about like, you know, creating DNS records and C name records. I was kind of like, what are all these things I'm creating and how they were kind of mapping back to load balancers, like to F5 load balancers and, taking data centers in and out of rotation. So there was a, a steep learning curve there for me as well. Um, but again, I suppose it was kind of stuff that was, was, was familiar to me as well, like from, you know, having done um, machine deployments and things like that, like for, for creating operating system images and deployment in a lab and setting up uh, machines and, and hardware in a, in a data center was, uh, was something I had to do as well. Like, so I kind of was familiar with uh, operating system uh, tools and maintenance and things like that as well, as well as that, like, you know, very uh, script uh, based kind of uh, automation of ma manual tasks in the, in the service engineer world as well um in service engineering as well like for the role we had like, we were doing a lot of um cost uh, management of, of resources and things like that to try and keep the cost down as much as possible um, i suppose a lot of companies want to want to do that as well like, they, they don't want to spend too much um, so that was one thing we were we were doing as well was to, to monitor costs and things like that on on the services. We were also um, <clears throat> monitoring um, telemetry and monitoring um, um, the deployment uh, mechanism. Like the sort of said like, again, we had to do deployments from the to the live site that like the the software engineers would hand over to us a, a bill that needed to be deployed. We were kind of like the gatekeepers who had or the only ones who had access to production. Um, so we would take the bits and deploy them to the to to the relevant place to the relevant uh, servers and everything like that, and make sure all the deployments were running smoothly and everything like that before uh, switching the the new build into 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 rotation. We also had to do as part of service engineering was um, secret management, be it from like you know passwords um, and certificates and any access keys that were required as well. So that was um, a lot of management on that on, on that part as well. Um, so then sort of migrating back towards software engineering um i had kind of um having come having come from a kind of automated testing and things like that and all and sort of seeing these online services i kind of wanted to progress into a software engineering role um so i started trying to, i started skilling up again on um on c sharp and and things like that and programming languages and getting into code reviews and things like that like just taking on small um coding um 
tasks that were required and then actually getting myself immersed in the whole code review process and stuff like that and submitting uh, change requests or submitting um, pull requests or like that, like actually going through the, the pull request process and getting the feedback and then making the changes and stuff like that. Like, so that was a bit of a, a steep learning curve as well. But um, yeah, so that was um, why I kind of wanted to uh, transition over from um, service engineer to software engineer. So like, yeah, so some of the skills, I suppose, in the service engineer world, I suppose, it's kind of um, a lot of scripting and things like that and all is needed, um, a lot of um, network knowledge as well, like it's, I suppose, troubleshooting uh, lifestyle issues and things like that, not where it can come down to, you know, DNS registration or, you know, um, an incorrect uh, IP configuration on a servers that is causing um, an issue um, or something misconfigured on the load balancer. So a lot of, um, you know, work that I kind of saw is, now is, is nearly taken away with um, a lot of uh, cloud services. A lot of this stuff is kind of taken away and hidden in the background that like you don't really need to kind of do a lot of that work anymore. Now it's all kind of automated with like, you know, the likes of Azure or AWS. Um, they have a lot of that uh, stuff kind of hidden behind and presented in a nice UI that it's, you know, it's easy to manage and things like that now. Um, so yeah, as well as that, like, like um, in my team, I suppose, like I was the, the sole service engineer and then I kind of moved towards uh, DevOps where like a, a lot more people had access to production through, um, you know, just-in-time access and things like that. They no longer needed a service engineer. So yeah, it was a kind of a natural progression for me to, um, to, uh, to move into software engineering and to make sure I still had a job at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, like it wasn't like something that like, you know, if I, you know, finished work on a Friday and I was a service engineer and came in and work on a Monday and it's like, you're a, you're a software engineer now, that would have been a massive jump. I had kind of started, you know, working towards that, like, you know, a couple of years beforehand, but like, as I said, just doing small uh, code review, going through small code changes and getting immersed in the, in the code review process and things like that now, because I suppose when you come into it first, it can, it can be a bit daunting, um, but um, yeah, I was able to dip my toe in and slowly get up to speed and be able to, you know, make um, contributions to the, to the code base that way. Thanks, Martin. That's a that's a, that's a quite a uh, transition, you know, and uh, and pretty inspiring for me as well, because uh, uh, it's there's a lot of investment which I think you've done with respect to learning um, again, you know, when you transition to a different role and getting to know the applications and the programming. That's pretty inspiring. So uh, another question for you, Martin, is that uh, how challenging can um, a DevOps role be in comparison to a software development role? Um, yeah, I, um, I suppose um, the the DevOps role, I suppose, is kind of a, is a, is a merging of a service engineer or a site reliability engineer and 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 a software developer. Um, like service engineering, of course, is, is there's a lot of knowledge in there. Like, again, as I mentioned before, about like, you know, network knowledge and DNS record creation and stuff like that now, but also management of secrets. And one of the things we had to do was kind of manually rotating secrets and things like that. Like, you know, if it was a username and password that was needed, we'd have to go and update the username and password and, you know, go and um, update that, that in the places it needed to be done. So again, a lot of automation can be done around that as well. And like, you know, with other things as well, like certificate creation. Um, and then and I'm onboarding that with them um, with partner teams that need it like you know so there's a lot of a lot of improvements that can be done in the service engineering world but with just a lack of knowledge and like how to automate a lot of those things so with the DevOps role like it, it kind of um, it's bringing a lot of those kind of service engineering tasks back to a software engineer now a software engineer may not know all these things I know dealing with um, people who like you know or 
from a, a dev like who was basically trying to do DNS record creation and stuff like that and all and stuff that I had learned previously. They didn't know this information. So there's kind of a bit of a knowledge gap there and stuff like that now. But uh, yeah, it can kind of take a while for a software engineer role to kind of upskill into a DevOps role. But again, one of the things, again, as well with DevOps is that like, you know, to have kind of continuous integration, continuous deployment, that's one of the things as well. Whereas before it was kind of, you know, create the build, create the build to be, or, sorry, build all the code, create the build to be deployed and then hand it off to, uh, to ops to do the deployment. In a kind of a DevOps world, it's kind of like the service, the software engineer is responsible for being able to trigger their deployment in a secure way to, uh, to the production environments. So um, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of emerging of the two roles. I suppose like um, it's bringing um, the knowledge from a, a service engineer to a software engineer role and then the software engineer being able to automate a lot of the manual tasks to make uh, to remove the chance of human error and um, to in, improve the, uh, the reliability of, of rotation things like that and, and management of secrets which can be a, a large over a large uh, headache when uh, trying to deal with with uh, with online services as well like that like trying to manage you know some cases you know hundreds maybe even thousands of secrets or, or certificates for a service that like um that need to be maintained and rotated before they're um before they expire and that, that they're onboarded correctly with any um pardon me with any partners that that uh, require the um the, the certificates but again there's there's improvements that can be made there as well with how certificates are trusted and how they're um passed around between the the different um, partner teams Okay, Martin. Uh, you have a uh, rich working experience, and uh, have, uh, you have also been a student before. Uh, what advice you could you uh, please uh, to uh, to give to a student? Uh, uh, we are pre, uh, pre preparing to join the mar uh, job marketing. You know, uh, in our uh, program, the students' uh, background is uh, is so diverse. Uh, you uh, a lot of people have the uh, so many rich uh, working. Uh, 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 working experience, uh, and so many uh people don't have have that. Do uh, what what advice, uh, advice do can you provide for us? Yeah, um, I suppose uh, one thing I suppose I'd, I'd say would be to um would be to ask questions. I suppose you know we've we've had um people come in on on internships and stuff like that and all. And one of the things that I, I think that they they've said and. It's probably one thing you know I've I've encountered as well as you kind of move into a different like as I've transitioned roles and things like that as well is don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, some people probably are afraid like you know like oh I'll be afraid I'll be seen to be stupid or something like that. But I think it's nearly better to ask questions than to make a mistake. Um, not to say making mistakes is bad, but like you know if somebody just say you know why didn't you ask me? It's like oh I was afraid to ask you. So that'd be one thing I'd say would be to, like, don't be afraid to ask questions. Now a lot of the time and when you join a new company sometimes it's like it's, it's knowing who to ask the question to so because sometimes you're kind of like going there's so many people here there's you know who who's the subject matter expert it's nearly hard to know who to go and ask the question to so it's nearly like you have to ask the question who should i ask this question to and then you need to get pointed in the right direction but yeah no that'd be that'd be one piece of advice i'd give as well the other piece of advice as well it would be that um it can be overwhelming and there'd be a lot of you know documentation and things like that to read and stuff like that now but like uh, hopefully like in the, wherever you go there'll be a uh, a partner or a buddy or someone like that to be assigned to to you to help you kind of on board and things like that. I know when we're even today, like you know, we're still sitting in meetings and some people start throwing around these TLAs, like three-letter acronyms, and it's like they're throwing them around like everybody kind of knows what they are. And some people should be just sitting there nodding their head, going, "What are they talking about?" 
So yeah, sometimes it's kind of good to just put your hand up and say, sorry, what's that TLA you just said? What, what was that? Can you explain it? And then people are, oh yeah, sorry, it's this. So it's, um, yeah, sometimes you're like getting up to speed on, on a lot of those kind of, you know, in-house kind of uh, lingo, I suppose, is uh, it can be sometimes hard to catch on to. But uh, yeah, that'd be sort of some of the pieces of advice I'd, I'd, I'd give. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's very helpful. And how about Jason? Um, could you, you also work for a few of like a few years, and there are numbers of stu Chinese students in the class. What advice you would like to give it uh, to us? Yes, yes, yes. This is a good question. Yes, from my point of view, and uh, I can think of uh, two, three, two, two, three things at least. And the first thing is uh, language. Language is very important. Uh, and you see, and uh, frankly speaking, when I transferred from China to Dublin to Ireland, uh, I didn't take much exams, thanks to me, and because I, I transferred internal, internally in the com inside the company, so I just simply did the interview between my current manager, and uh, then we got agreement, and I moved from China to here. And uh, but you see, uh, working at here it's good, and uh, Everything is good, but the only question, the first question actually I saw in the in, at here is uh, is a language challenge, and uh, uh, you see, and uh, as students we uh, we are we were students in China, right? And uh, we know, and uh, in China we uh, we just had English tests and the exams. We uh, we we good at to read something, and but um, sometimes we we didn't spend much time to to see something odd. So this call this may cause some challenge in the in the work in the because uh the customer at here you may work with and uh, all the team members you may work with um mainly um they speak English right they are the TV speaker and uh, uh my manager I still can remember after I joined the team around the half one year Later, so I joined, after I joined the team, I, my manager came to me and uh, we had discussion one-on-one one, one talk. And he told me, okay, hey, Jason, okay, you're good at, ne at, at your technology and uh, I don't have any concern on this point, but only concern from my side is you you should try to improve your English. Because I hear some, sometimes I hear something from the customer, customer mentioned, okay, the things go down, but sometimes they could not quite understand what I said. So you see, this is this is not good feeling when you hear something like this. But and start from then, I tried to prepare something by myself and try to reading something, watching something, and try to have more talks with the team members who are native speaker. So the first thing I would recommend is try to improve the English, and it's very important for for your future. Uh, work in Ireland or other English-speaking uh, countries. So that is very important. So this is the first thing. The second thing I can think of is and uh, a bit on the culture side. And uh, uh, you see, after I came to join the team, and uh, almost three years, four years, I still that this question still I still find sometimes I make the Made something wrong, and uh, the question is here. Well, I, what I want to see is uh, sometimes, and uh, my manager came to me 
comes to me and I'll say, hey, Jason, can you do this? Can you do that? But frankly speaking, sometimes I'm not quite good at that one. And uh, but uh, I don't want to see, OK, I cannot do it. I'm not good at it. Because from the, the culture where, where we grew up and uh, we the people always told us, OK, you should be a good person. You should be a good one. and uh, you should not say no, right? So we, so at least me, always try to say yes when when, when someone came to me. So this is a big challenge thing I faced in the first three four years when I work at here. Even something I'm not quite good at it, I just simply say, okay, I can do it. Let me have a try. But some sometimes I can do it. Sometimes I can have a good result on the things, right? But sometimes I spent time, I spent a lot of, I even working in the weekend, some I, I didn't go out, I just spent all of my time on something, but the result is not, it's not that good because, frankly speaking, um, uh, I never touched the top, that topic before, right? And uh, so my manager, when we had another discussion with my manager, just, he just told me, okay, Jason, you don't need to be, a superman, you don't need to be good at everything. So this is one another second thing I want to talk at here is if you are not good at something and you what you can you should see, okay, I'm not good at it. I didn't do it before. But I'm I'm willing to to have a try on it. Or someone did it before, I'm willing to work with him or her together. And the next time I'm the expert I'm the expert on this topic. But uh, don't simply say, okay, I can do it. Don't simply say, yes. So this is the second thing I want to talk at here. Because, and uh, it's not just about uh, uh, China or, or Japanese, and it's about both uh, Asian culture, French speaking. Just try to have think, if I really can do it, then don't be shy to, to see, I cannot. So this is the second thing I want to see out. And the, the third thing is how others, is good. You see that here we, at least from my see, my point of view, the companies in Ireland in Dublin are good, and uh, especially for the just graduated students. So, for example, one year later, when you try to look for some jobs, and uh, you will don't don't be afraid to, to to have a try, and it's not a bad idea to work at here for for some years first. And then you can make a decision. You come back to come back to China or move to other countries, but have a try first. And uh, because at here, and uh, there is not the overtime work, long-term overtime work, and uh, there is not that kind of things in the companies. And um, and you can also try to practice something new, and uh, try to improve the language, improve English. Right, frankly speaking, and uh, so it's important for your future, future career. And uh, even some days later, and you you go back to China, back go back to the non-English country. But uh, the things what you learn at here, you will take the benefit from it for a very long time. So that is my. So that is what I want to to see to the, uh, to the. Uh, the students who may face for yeah from the, the, the 
information from the, the this kind of culture. Yeah. Yes, uh, but no worry. And everything is good at here. And uh, just I will try and do the fear about apply some positions here. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, like uh, just like you said, like uh, Chi we Chinese, we at work, we tends to do things like a uh, working culture is high alignment. Yes, yes. So this is, yes. So sometimes you, it's not easy case to, to, yes. So sometimes we are too shy to to see something old, right? And uh, so for example. Just have to think, for example, today you go to the company and you find your the big booth and just sit next is having his breakfast next next to the table. Right. And uh, it's a bit hard for me to come to talk discuss with him to have hey, hey, how are you? And well, and discuss say something. It's not easy for me, at least <laughs> even for now it's also not easy task. But sometimes I saw someone from different the uh, Cultural background—it's—it's uh, very easy for for them to 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 go and have discussion and uh, yeah. So this is and uh, even in the walk, right? When they ask, uh, when they ask us, okay, if something is good or something is bad, yeah, in some cases, <laughs> at least for me, I always say, okay, so, yeah, it's good for me, and I don't have any questions. But frankly speaking, sometimes we may have some questions in. And uh, just uh, shy to see see all it all. It's it's not it's not that good, and uh, because some others may simply ignore, <laughs> right? So, so my advice at here: so try to practice to see something odd. And uh, as I mentioned, the second point, and try to see some. Don't be shy to see your idea, and uh, even if it's, uh, it's not that positive, for example. For example, and uh, when you design workshop, and you think, okay, this design is totally bad idea, and because you worked on the topic before and you are expert on this point, so you know the design is totally bad, and don't be shy to see it out, and uh, just simply see, okay, I think it's not good, because point one, point two, point three, right, and because it's better, then so you keep silence. And some days later, and uh, the team found okay, the design is, is not a good idea. Right? It, just try to see it all and make others remember others remember you your name, right? And uh, you will get benefit from it. Trust me. I just sorry, just I, I just wanted to jump in there. I was like, I I think that can happen a lot. Like you know, when people like. Join a new company or whatever like that, like that. They're in a meeting setting, and there's people are discussing and stuff like that. And then it's that they they and they ask that question: like, Has anybody got any feedback or anybody got any thoughts? I think in a, in a in a team dynamic, it's um or in a group setting, sometimes it can be very hard for people like who are just new to a team and I just don't have the confidence to speak. That like, they'll just shy away and they'll say no, 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 no. But I think that if you have something like that to to say, I think like if, if somebody was presenting something and like that as well, if the design was bad or something like that, if you wanted to just go and speak to them afterwards. I think that's sometimes kind of that that would be completely fine. Like if you don't want to speak in a group setting, but I think like you know as time will progress, I suppose you'll, you'll you'll get that confidence to be able to speak in a group setting to be able to say, oh no, I, I don't agree with that or whatever like that. And you'll be able to just speak your speak your voice, and then I suppose it'll just come over time like that. But like uh, like Jason was saying, like I said, yeah, you, sh you shouldn't feel like afraid to say it. But like you know, I, I know it can be it can be hard like in a group setting to for the first time to to speak up like sometimes like to 
to talk talk back against someone like you know to sort of you know I think that idea is bad. It's kind of like oh okay, <laughs> he could feel it. So bad, uh, this yeah. question is uh, yeah, for um, all the three guests and um, and whoever can choose to answer it first. Uh, the question is, could you share with us an experience where um, the product owner or a project manager uh, left the project in the middle in the in between? And the change had an impact on the outcome of the project. Uh, yes, I have some experience. The, the, I worked in the, the development team, production team, and uh, frankly speaking, and uh, it, the scenario what we saw is a bit different. We the product product owner didn't leave the team, but uh, we faced some challenges to to work with the product owner, frankly. And uh, the story is and uh, we shared the team. We we run Scrum, right? We have product owner, we have Scrum master, we have developer, QE tester, the standard Scrum team. Uh, but the product owner um, didn't have any technical experience, and so this is a question. Sometimes, so sometimes this is cause us some confusing when the, to achieve the requirement. Because that's one thing. For example, the product owner asks me, "Okay, I want this," and uh, I, I came to I came to the product owner and say, "Okay, this one is very hard to achieve, and we don't we don't have enough time to uh, to achieve it in this sprint." And the, the product owner just said, "Okay, I saw another team did it before, right? If they can do it, then you can do it." You see, this is not a Good way to work, and uh, so this finally this caused some critical issue in the inside the team. That all the developers not happy about about the, this kind of things happen and happen, and uh, the developers try to directly come to the manager and say, okay, we cannot work with the product owner because the product owner always give us something out of scope, and and uh, I still can remember when developer said some one sentence. There's n there's no difficult things in technical. Even the Google is just a label, right? When you tap something and click a button and you get a result. But the difficult thing is behind the the click button. But uh, if the one not quite good at the product, uh, not quite good at the technical, right? And they may not quite understand the complexity behind it. So this caused the team could not deliver the things on time. So the solution finally we the solution to improve the scenario is we had some meetings with the product owners and with the product owner and and the mixed product owner on sand. Okay, the things is complex. It's not just simply other teams can do it, then we can do it. It's not a story, and um, so each time when we design something, we need the developers to evolve more time and uh, inside the to the new product design or something like this. Uh, fancy being after around one year and I transferred out and uh, the products still delivered to the market. But uh, I always uh, can remember this question, and thanks um, me, I don't have quite good idea how to fix it, and I cannot guarantee you will not see the something, some see something like this 
in your future work. Just give you idea here at here is if you see if you see something exists before you angry with the product owner, angry with your manager, just try to uh, try to have a talk with them to make them understand why the things you think is complex, why the things you think is difficult to achieve achieve. And uh, because if you keep your idea in your brain and not see it out, and uh, finally, the team will run into a very difficult scenario, very difficult situation. So this is one thing I want to share with with uh, with, with the class at here. Thank you, Jason. That was quite insightful. Martin, do you have any experience we would would like to share? Yeah, I suppose there was. Um... A long time ago, there was um, was a, a team we were work, working with. It uh, was a, a partner team, and they were um, delivering some um, some automation into us that we had. And um, the test lead, he didn't he didn't leave fully. He kind of I think he went on sabbatical for two or three months. And um, yeah, there was that that had an had an impact on us at the time, like because um, like the team were still working and stuff like that now. But I think because the um, the top manager wasn't there like to, to you know who would have been driving the weekly meetings and driving the quality bar and stuff like that and all because he wasn't there i think it was kind of maybe a little bit more lax and things like that and all so like yeah it was like put a lot of pressure on us towards the end like that like you know the quality of the automation coming through wasn't up to scratch that we needed so then we had to then scramble then to uh to try and um plug the gaps that like that were coming through and things like that and all so that was that was one one instance i'm trying to think of another instance now as well i know there was um in a, in a team in our team a while back where it was kind of there was a bit of a reorg and it, the the manager then like you know with, with the way the reorg fell and stuff like that and all he was a guy that we were all really close to and everything like that like you know we we're all you know great camaraderie within the team and this guy there was there was no position left for him in the, within the team like the manager like so like he was he was just effectively made redundant so that had a big, a big, a big impact on us within the team. Like we were kind of, you know, take, all taken aback. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe he's not going to be here anymore now. You know, like so I suppose it, I don't know. It's hard to put into 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 context how that kind of impacted us on the team. You know, we still kind of, you know, we're do, doing our day to day job and things like that now. But it kind of left a bit of a raw feeling for some of us as well. You know, when I thought that this was a guy that like you know, we worked with like so closely and things like that now, and he he was um he'd been let go and stuff like that now. So like you know. Um, I wouldn't say it felt like a death, like you know, like that, but like you know, like it was, it was hard to see him go and things like that, and all like that, that had an, an impact on on some of us, you know, I mean, like, um, personally, you know, I suppose professionally, we were still able to do our job, but like you know, personally, it had a, a bit of an impact on us within the team, like you no. Know? All right, uh, thanks, Martin. A good align with uh, uh, what happened in, in the last uh, chap few cha couple of chapters in the book, sort of a new machine. That's what we probably experienced there as well, but that's uh, helpful. Thank you. Uh, it's also a question for all of the guests. Uh, how important is the social uh, connection between the uh, project team members? And how does the human connection impact the outcome of the project? Uh, because you are all uh, seems like a, a, a product owner. You can see from your experience. Uh, so I think, uh, I think it has a very, uh, a very important effect uh, on on the team uh, so um, when when you are at work um, and together with each other for for so many hours even if not in the same location uh, then it basically kind of also 
also defines how the project works, uh, not just uh, how uh, how you feel about the project. So it's more like it becomes a group a group feeling, and when this feeling is a little bit uh, um, off uh, of what it should be, as in teams are not feeling uh, very tight together, or the teams feel that the communication is not quite good, or the teams feel that the planning is not quite good, or that they don't have the right tools, or the right uh, equipment, or the right software, that probably is also a defect of the software they're building, because them themselves missing that kind of tool uh, will probably be reflected in what they are building. And it's a very interesting question, um, as in um, we have been through a transformation. Um, the first company I worked on where uh, we changed from a more standardized approach, a more waterfall approach uh, to a newer, more agile approach. And uh, one of the initial things to do or one of the, the I think one of the main things, uh, main changes they've done uh, was to relocate all the developers to be very close to their uh, to their team members. Uh, so although the offices were not quite built uh, to support such a scheme, um, everybody was uh, was tried to be accommodated in such a way that they're very close to their team members. And even if some were sitting back to back to each other or front to front or were sitting basically in another row, uh, just being so close to them uh, proved to make a very big change and uh, um, make and prove to be very beneficial to the team and to the project as well. Uh, so I, I think it, it has this, this very, very important effect of giving a team the feeling of being a team uh, without mentioning all the uh, all the aspects, it can um, uh, it can make much easier, such as a small issue that you have rather than going online or having to go online and type a text and see if it's there and see if they respond. You just turn on to your to your colleague and ask them the question. You also have that nice conversation with them, uh, or you have the conversation with them and then also can for a short while debate other topics and bring that uh, and build that connection which is and uh, hopefully becomes part of the final software. Uh, so what I'm saying is that if the connection is there, you can see it in what people build. If the connection is missing, you can probably also feel it in the slightly fragmented uh, uh, a slightly fragmented bit of code that people wrote and then they assembled together. So yeah, in, in my opinion, I think it's one of the most important things and uh, uh, doing agile without having the same, without having the teammates sitting next to each other is not really called agile. I mean, in a normal scenario outside of the pandemic. Um, and even during pandemic, you can have uh, this the same kind of processes, the same kind of agile processes like stand-ups, like reviews, like retrospectives, uh, planning, where everybody can go, um, go online and see each other, make sure that they're there, check in on stand-up and have that feeling of uh, being together 
and working together. You yeah, know, I, I, I feel like that, um, yeah, a good strong bond between everybody in the team is, uh, is essential, I think. Like, I know we've worked in a team and where we've had, like, you know, uh, nights out and stuff like that, or we go and have a few beers and maybe a, a meal or whatever like that. Like, it helps build a strong bond between, um, between between the people because i suppose as, as one, someone once said to me before said we, we need to spend more time with our set with, with each other in the office than we do with our with our families at home because <laughs> we you know with late nights and things like that now but i think it helps build that camaraderie between people like that if somebody's facing an issue and it's like you know like you're helping out a friend you know i'm stuck i can't get this done it's like you know yeah no problem and people will dig in to help each other out and stuff like that now and i think that kind of comes across in the in, in the book as well like where people sign up and they were kind of all signed up to, to kind of, you know, work into late nights and stuff like that. And, you know, I've, I've done that myself and I've had, you know, colleagues who, who do the same thing as well. Like, you know, but, um, you know, I think it, it, it helps like that if there's a strong bond between everybody that like, you know, like that, like, every, like we're all friends, like we're working together. You know what I mean? And it kind of can help in them um, and the interactions and stuff like that as well. Like, you know, in meetings and things like that now, like, or afterwards as well, going to, to, to speak to colleagues and stuff like that now. Like, you know, like I've, I've seen the flip side of it as well. Like, you know, Maybe maybe it's me because I'm a little bit older now. Like where we don't we don't go we don't go as much like you know I mean for for drinks. So obviously not in the last few years anyway. But um yeah like there isn't as as, as strong a bond in the team and you can kind of see like you know I mean like that like we, we still work professionally and things like that now. But it probably isn't as isn't as fun a place to go and work you know in um whereas before it was uh yeah it was good it was good fun and it was a good bond between everybody that was there and people were willing to dig in to help each other out you know. Yes yes exactly and uh, from from my point of view and. Uh... Yeah, connection inside the team is really important to because you see the more communication you have with others and the, the more trust will be built up, right? And uh, the trust is really important uh, to to save the time and uh, to save time for the team and uh, to improve the productivity and a lot of benefits. And so, but the uh, the the question here <laughs> always the question here is is not that easy to 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 make more communications and uh, to build up the, the more social connections with the team on the current situation, right? And uh, I almost one year, almost one year, not see the team members and uh, not see others in the and the, in the company. Uh, so at least the team which I'm working on is try to build up some daily meetings daily meetings to, to see hi to each other and see okay, do you have any questions or something like this something like the scrum daily meetings and up meeting yeah just try to keep communication with others every day and uh, if possible some days later just try to go out and see each other and say hi to some new colleagues and uh, because you see if you know someone and you know uh you know the the working CEO your, your your team member how they work and easy, it will be easier for yourself when you in the later days when you work with them to for example to create some coding programming and something like this it will be easier for you to work with them so that's my experience social connections indeed important it was wonderful to talk to all of you here. The time is running out, unfortunately. And thank you so much for taking out your time to share your experience here. Thank you.